Good morning. I'm Adam. I am assistant pastor of discipleship and events here at Lakeland. And this is week two of our series on the Lord's Prayer. Now, I was more than willing to jump in on this series and pick up a line of this prayer. And as I began studying and digging into the line that fell to me in the order, I saw that it was no coincidence that I would be preaching this particular line of the prayer. Not because it was one that I could preach from the standpoint of an expert, that um, from some kind of a mountaintop of achievement and enlightenment, (laughs) actually the exact opposite. Because it is something that I desperately need to hear and to learn in this stage of my life. Why? Because I have a hallowing problem. Hallowed be thy name is our line of prayer for this morning. We don't really use this word hallowed much these days, do we? What does that even mean? It's related to the word holy, if that's helpful at all. No? That makes sense because even holy is a word that we can sometimes struggle to define. It means set apart, special, completely different from everything else. So if something is hallowed, it means that it's recognized for its holiness, put in its proper place, given the glory it deserves, treated as sacred and ultimate. And now I'm going to make a bold claim. There's a lot wrong with the world that we live in. That's not the bold claim. That's very easy to see. Just turn on the news or spend 30 or even three minutes on social media, right? Go talk to a friend or neighbor and ask them if something's wrong. You'll see very quickly, people are hurting. Anxiety and pain are rampant. People mistreat each other regularly. No, the bold claim is that with all these problems that exist in this world, there is one that underlies all of them. There is one problem that defines the human condition and the fallenness and brokenness of this world, and that is a hallowing problem. You and I and everyone else in this world, we have a hallowing problem. Now, what do I mean by this? A hallowing problem. Well, if I went around and asked everyone in my course class this morning, for example, what is the ultimate thing to you? What is most crucial in your life? What is the one thing that you are most concerned about, most enthralled with? What demands your attention? What do you consider most important above all else? What do you think they'd say? 
This is not a trick question. They'd say God, right? My class is awesome. They would know the right answer to this. But what if I then followed up by saying, prove it. Now the shadowy figure of the great hallowing problem begins to become a little more visible, doesn't it? We start to see the issue here. I mean, how would one even go about proving what is most important in their life? Archbishop William Temple once wrote, your religion is what you do with your solitude. What did he mean by that? He means that your ultimate thing, your most important thing, what you truly hallow in life is what you do when you are alone. When there is nobody else around to impress or influence or entertain. You know who else talks about this? Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, right before giving us the very words of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, And pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. What do you pray for in secret? What do you hope for and dream about when you're by yourself? What captures your heart and your thoughts and your intention when there is no one else around? Is it money? Is it fame or success? Is it romantic love? Is it a favorite hobby? Is it comfort? Is it family? Whatever your answer to that question is at any given moment, it is your ultimate thing. It is what you are hallowing. And if that thing is not actually God, your prayer life will reflect that. (laughs) You will not pray merely out of love or adoration or awe of God. You will pray when you need something, when your actual ultimate thing is in jeopardy, when your family's in trouble, when you're worried about finances, when you're struggling at work or in school. Do you know how I know so much about this? I already gave this answer away, didn't I, at the very beginning? It's because I, too, have a hallowing problem. Now, let's be clear. This doesn't mean that I don't hallow. If you knew my inner thoughts, how much I care about what others think and feel about me, you would see that, that I hallow. If you saw how much I'm drawn to comfort and consistency and, and predictability in my life, you would see that I hallow. Come watch a Chiefs game with me sometime. 
you will see that I have no problem hallowing. But that is the real problem, isn't it? Because I have a serious problem hallowing what deserves to be hallowed. I constantly mishallow. I place things on a throne that do not belong there. I carve out a special vaunted place in my life for things that are worthless and fleeting and empty. What should I be doing instead? A few years ago, when I was on sabbatical, my family and I took a big trip out west. And one of the cities that we visited was Seattle. I don't know how many of you have ever been to Seattle before, but if you have, you probably noticed that there is something in that city that absolutely dominates its skyline. I'm not talking about the Space Needle, actually. The Space Needle, you have to be kind of close to see. No, what I'm talking about, you can see from absolutely anywhere in the city, even though it is more than 60 miles away, Mount Rainier. What a beast of an old, dormant volcano this is. It's everywhere. No matter where you go, north, south, east, or west parts of the city, downtown, on the harbor, up in a skyscraper, it's just there. And your eyes are drawn to it. The way it rises up, 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 so far above everything else around it. You really just can't stop looking over at it. In the midst of doing anything else, walking around the city, eating in a restaurant, watching a Mariners baseball game, even driving on the highway, yes, it's kind of dangerous, but you just have to stop every once in a while and glance over at it to see if it really is as glorious and prominent and unmistakable as it seemed the last time you looked 30 seconds ago. And it is every single time just as breathtaking as it was before. I truly never got tired of gazing at this mountain, of picturing what it would be like to get closer to it, to climb to its peak and look down on the rest of the world. But as beautiful and gigantic and regal as Mount Rainier is compared to the rest of Washington State, it is nothing. Nothing compared to the beauty and wonder of God. God is the one who conceived of Mount Rainier and then spoke it into being at the snap of a finger. In the book of Job, God declares these incredible words to Job and to, to us. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? 
Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the children of God shouted for joy. Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, thus far shall you come and no farther and here shall your proud waves be stayed. Have you commanded the morning since your days began? And cause the dawn to know its place. That it might take hold of the skirts of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it. Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? What is the way to the place where the light is distributed or where the east wind is scattered upon the earth? Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds that a flood of waters may cover you? Can you send forth lightnings that they may go and say to you, here we are, who has put wisdom in the inward parts or given understanding to the mind? Who can number the clouds by wisdom or who can tilt the water skins of the heavens when the dust runs into a mass and the clods stick fast together? I don't know about you, but I get chills when I read that. And I realize that my gaze, my attention should have been drawn to this the entire time. No matter what else I have been doing, I should have to just stop every once in a while and glance over at him to see if he really is as glorious and prominent and unmistakable as he seemed the last time I looked 30 seconds ago. And he will be each and every time just as breathtaking as he was before. I should never get tired of gazing at this God, of picturing what it would be like to get closer to him to climb up right next to his throne and from there look down on the rest of the world. This is the one who should be hallowed. This is the one who should be enthroned in my heart and in my mind as the ultimate thing. Just like Mount Rainier rises effortlessly above everything else in its vicinity, God transcends and stands beyond everything in this universe, let alone this world. God has infinite glory and worth 
and all other things have value only insofar that they reflect the ultimate value of the one who is truly unique and holy. Hallowed be thy name. This morning, I want us to envision a world where God is rightly placed and properly glorified. To picture our lives with the central thing placed in the center. Can you imagine what they could be like if that were true? And my hope and my prayer is that this morning, all of us will leave with at least the desire for that because that's a huge start. But here's the thing about holiness. It can feel very distant sometimes, very far away, even unexperienceable. Have you ever felt this? But when we feel that way, it's only because we haven't seen We haven't experienced the fullness of God's presence and the beauty of God's story. And as we move next week into some solutions for this great hallowing problem that we've identified in part one here this morning, I wanted us to have at least a little taste of it, a little glimpse here today. I don't want any of us to leave here this morning wondering if there is a solution to such a problem or whether we might just be left to wallow in our own despair because there is a solution. I am certain of it. Because God is not just holy in his majesty and his glory and his authority, and his power. Although those things are true, God is also holy, separate, completely and entirely and eternally unique in his love. You see, there's another fascinating aspect of the line of this prayer that we're looking at this morning that we haven't even yet addressed. And that is what, according to Jesus, we should be hallowing. His name. Have you ever noticed this? What a weird thing. Hallowed be thy name. Why specifically his name? Well, the name of God isn't a foreign concept at all to the Old Testament. Yahweh. Have you heard this name before? The covenant name of God. It's used throughout the Old Testament. But there's one famous passage where this name was given as the answer to a question. Who should I say sent me? Yahweh. It was Moses who received this name of God. And do you know what Moses was going to do when he asked this question, who should I say sent me? He was going on behalf of this God 
to redeem and save his people, Israel, from hundreds of years of slavery in Egypt. You see, in the Bible, the name of God always, always intends to draw our gaze and our memories to the incredible act of salvation that was enacted on behalf of God's beloved children. The miracles, the Passover, the Red Sea, the Exodus. But all of those incredible acts intend to draw our gaze and our memories to the even more incredible act of salvation that was poured out on behalf of all of God's children, the cross of Jesus Christ. Hallowed be thy name. Easier said than done? Absolutely. But let's take today and the rest of this week to focus on and pray for the desire to authentically hallow. And then let's come back next Sunday and explore further the hope that we have to make this our reality as a community, as the church, as the people of God. Amen? Amen. Amen.